Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line with me, Dylan Hartley. This week's pod is a captain special. I'm going to be joined by both England skippers to chat about what it's like leading from the front and what keeps the motivators motivated. I've got half an idea of what that involves, but I can't wait to chat with Red Rose Sarah Hunter, who is over 120 caps and counting, and my old mate, England captain, Owen Farrell. I'm very privileged to have you both here, um, both Six Nations champions. Let's cut straight to it. Medal presentation, um, slightly weird, presenting yourself a medal. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. Especially the day after as well. We had uh, like confetti and, and flamethrowers going off in the background with no, no, one, no one around. And then I, I, had to put, I had to put the medals on people's heads. I was just trying to give it to them, but they kept bowing, they kept bowing their heads and making me put it on them like... There was one left at the end and I had to stick it on my own head and go in. No, it, it got a few hits online. Sarah, what about you? Same same situation? Yeah, very same. Although I didn't even play in the game. I just rocked up for the for the trophy presentation at the end. Um, so even more surreal for, for me. Um, but yeah, again, similarly, I was trying to hopefully just give them the medals, but they wanted them actually round, round the neck. So um, they took the mickey a little bit and started curtsying and bowing and stuff. I was thinking for you girls, like you actually won the week before as well. So you still had to go and play the game. Uh, like psychologically, how, how did you approach that? So it was really surreal. Like I was sat at home on my sofa watching the France-Scotland game. And obviously they, they drew. And I had no idea that that result actually meant we won the Six Nations. I think because we'd been so focused on preparation for going to Italy to have to play that game to win the Six Nations and to win the Grand Slam that... Hadn't even really thought about any of the sort of the permutations about results. So um, once we knew it was like, oh, well, a few WhatsApp messages, well done, congrats, but let's go finish the job on Saturday against Italy. So there was no change in our sort of mindset or what we wanted to do. Like from the start, we wanted that grand slam. So it was about going to Italy and, and, and finishing the job. Um, let's go back to both of you guys start. Like uh, Sarah, captaincy from an early age, like for you, uh, I believe that you, you've already played at Wembley a couple of times by age 10. Where did it start for you and, and how did you find yourself in that sort of role? I obviously played a lot of sports at, at school and um, I was very fortunate to, to go to Wembley as as like a, a nine and 10 year old, two consecutive years. And, and the second the second year I went, I was asked to be captain. And I guess as a kid, you don't really think of anything. It's just like, oh my God, I'm the captain of the team. And then being a sort of a, a senior sort of player, like within your your age groups that I, I probably probably was, then I think people looked to me to captain, but I genuinely didn't think of myself as this this captain or have all the things people now talk about captains should should be. I kind of just went along with the flow. I and then I came and played at, at Litchfield in the women's premiership for the first time ever. And in the second year I was there. I got asked to be captain and I, that was the first time I really sort of thought about captaincy and what it takes to be a captain and because there was a lot of people who were older than me who had played in the premiership for more years than I'd ever played for there was international players and I was thinking what has the coach asked me to be captain for I don't feel like qualified enough I don't feel potentially respected enough because I was this young 19 year old player coming to a, a club where there'd been people there for years and I think um, it almost was thrust upon me that 
I kind of felt a little bit unsure about myself of of it and then just about what sort of captain you wanted to be and I just felt like from a young age I probably didn't really necessarily have all the support it was it's like oh you're captain and you have to go and be a captain but I didn't necessarily feel that I'd, I'd been supported knowing exactly what that that role was I've just tried to find my feet since then and then again when I got to be asked to be England captain I was a bit like taken back again thinking well what do people see in me that makes me in this position for for it like extremely honored one of the proudest moments like being asked to be captain but again I think maybe it's just my nature that I always question myself of what makes me the person to to be asked I think it probably has taken a long time for me to be comfortable in this captaincy role and then also find my feet in actually what what I want to be as a captain and I think like there's probably been times in my career where I've maybe gone I'm not sure I want to do it anymore because of some of the stresses around it but that's very different to being asked to to do it to say no directly I think I think the easy thing to do is say no the hard things to kind of just take it on and 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 take that challenge because it's not the easiest thing to do uh it's basically a whole new job Faz what about you mate from a young age you've kind of been uh in a leadership role um you've always been at the forefront of attack and defense and you're, you're a very vocal player is it sort of thing that you consciously gravitated towards uh, not not consciously no um i guess i guess as a kid i was always competitive always loud i guess you probably you could probably always hear me when when whenever i was playing and that that's just the way i was it wasn't it wasn't me trying to be like that it wasn't me trying to be a leader trying to be a a senior player or whatever it was just it was just me trying to be at my best i guess um trying to get the best out of hopefully people around you at the same time and that's probably the big thing for me is being yourself making sure that obviously you you spend a good whack of time trying to trying to improve yourself and trying to make sure that you're progressing and getting better at, at, at all sorts of things never mind just just leadership stuff but you say that like that's a given like not everyone thinks like that but w- would you say kind of leadership or captaincy is it something you practice uh, is it something that you're trying to be better at oh of course it's something that you're trying to be better at yeah yeah but it's it, <laughs> The big thing that, uh, the thing that I think about with with that, what you're saying there, is it being authentic, it, making sure that, it, as I said, it's still still being you because you want to try and improve yourself and you want to try and get better and you want to look at any any different avenue that can can take you there. But at the same time, you've got to make sure that you're being yourself at the same time and uh, authentic, like I said, because that's that's when people listen. I think. Because when people speak passionately about something and, and you believe that they believe, that's when I think that's when I know that when I'm listening to people, I listen, I listen more, you know. So um, that's the thing that hopefully you don't get away from. You, you know how like so both of you basically said like naturally it's something that you've gravitated towards and something that you do. But do you consciously kind of put on your, your captain's underpants in the morning? Do you get up and go, right, I'm going to make good choices today. I'm going to be the example. I'm going to be authentic. But equally, I'm going to be conscious about some of my decisions. Sarah, do, do you put on your captain's underpants? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for me, that probably just comes naturally as the player that I am to make those decisions. And it's probably come from 
sort of our journey at, at international level. Obviously, we're very fortunate now to be professional players, but we haven't always been that. So we've all obviously had um, full-time jobs to, to have alongside playing for England. So I think naturally you then have to make probably more conscious decisions about training, about socialising, about what you're going to eat, all those things that actually I've probably made as a player before I've made as a captain and trying to get better in every aspect before the captaincy comes. So for me, I'm always been like probably a player first. Uh, I'm not going to get picked because I'm the England captain. I'm going to get picked because I'm the best person in my position to, to play the game. And that's always ever since I've been in that captaincy role, whoever that might have been for, like, I want to be a good player, first of all. And that's what I want to want to be picked on because everyone in my, the team wants me to be in the team because of the contributions I'm going to make as a player first over and above being a captain. You, you're both at an age now where you've done it a while and you, you're so experienced, you're so well-polished, you can even talk about it really well. Is there anything that you look back on that makes you cringe or like something you got wrong, you know, when you're cutting your teeth? I think, Owen, you kind of went down the, the route of authentic. Sometimes you... And, and I did this because I, I kept them from an early age at like 20, 21, 22. You kind of look to role models and people in the team that you look up to, but you can't be that person. You can't hold a room like that person. You can't play like that person. So I think for, for me, uh, I learned pretty early is just to find my own way. Nah, I am. I'm complete with that. I think I look back and I cringe at points of like, you know, like pre-team talks. And I think you follow and you've had captains. And so Katie Dale and McLean was our captain and really inspirational. One of the greatest speakers at like pre-match that I probably ever heard and really motivational. I then followed on from her and I was like, oh, well, I need to be her. I need to be able to do exactly what Katie's done and I'm just not that person I'm thinking back to probably some of the things I like you almost try to be like similar to how she's been with the players and it's like actually then like Owen says you're not genuine and I think then people don't buy into it and that I sort of I found sort of my journey is like the person and the captain that I am I'm probably a very much lead by example kind of person and words are probably not something that people will associate what leader that I am in terms of like your Churchill speeches or anything like that and that's okay and I think I've become comfortable with that whereas sort of in the early days I thought I had to be someone I wasn't and then you look back and you think oh my god I was was probably quite embarrassing if they were ever on tape you always like wouldn't want to hear them again or anything so I think there's there's moments like that that as I've grown into the role and got more experience of like, just be true to who you are. Um, and I think you, like Owen says, it's, it's much more believable. People want to buy in, people want to play, people want to be led by you than if you're trying to be someone you're not. So you, 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 one of your key influences would have been Katie Daly McLean. Uh, she set the bar really high for Owen. He had me. So Owen didn't have to do basically anything to impress the boys after me. It would have been straightforward. <laughs> Faz, do, do you look back on anything? Um, any any kind of cringe moments? Not nothing that sticks out too much, but there would have been loads, Dylan. Yeah, loads. <laughs> um, it'd just be, I guess, I guess when you you first, I guess when you first pick it up, you you sort of question everything. After you've done it, uh, you you probably worry a bit more about what you've said and how you've said it, and maybe if it's been taken in the right way or, or not. Whereas I think you get you get to a stage now where you roll with it a bit more and, and you and you're more. It helps you, I guess, set what's on your mind easier. 
and I think it's it's something now that I'm, I've got I've got miles better at. He's not he's not cringing too much at what I've just said from before that I might overthought afterwards, you know. So um, a I bit odd. I think what you're alluding to there is like this is just my experience. Captaincy can kind of be this lonely thing, and I don't want to make it sound too miserable, but you you do question everything, and unless you've got a sounding board and people kind of giving you a nod every now and then saying that was good or that wasn't or try and prove this or think about it this way. I was thinking for, for me with that room at Penny Hill Park, Royal Ascot, where we roomed together, you were like my sounding board. So whenever I needed to debrief something or just check myself, you were always there. I was thinking, do you have those people now? Do, do you have that kind of group around you, people that you can check in with? Sarah, yourself, do you, do you have a sounding board within within your team? Definitely. And I'm... Um... I'm definitely, my personality is definitely questioning probably everything. Like, I, I worry that, like, going to upset someone or think the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. And I feel like, oh, did that come across? So, yeah, I, I've got better at it as time got, has gone on. But I think in the early days of captaincy, we hadn't really done much around leadership teams or anything like that. And now within England, we we certainly have like great like great people around in terms of our sort of strategy group in terms of like on pitch management which obviously helps significantly with r- running things by people just checking in with things getting them to lead as well because like I don't know about you but sometimes like in the early days I just got sick of the sound of my own voice <laughs> I'm like come on like so we've got we've got a great great strategy team and obviously Katie Day and McLean's in there we've got Abby Ward Amber Reed. Emily Scarrett is the vice captain and she's probably my biggest sounding board of, of like if things happen in the team or like off field stuff, I'll literally, if we're in the same place, grab scars for like a quick chat. We've got a great group of people that I've got better at delegating and not taking all the responsibility on myself, which I think as an early captain, I've tried to do. I was like, I've been given this responsibility I have to do everything myself, whereas now I'm very much trying to to delegate that out to, to people to share the load. Faz, talk to talk to me about your your kind of leadership group or your senior players. Who, who do you kind of rely on heavily within camp at the moment? It it, it changes it changes little bits, but there's there's um, we have a leadership group that uh, very open and honest with each other and share everything to make sure that they have the biggest impact on the team as possible. And obviously, you look you look to your senior players like. Fordy, Maro, Mako, uh, Mark Wilson's in, Anthony Watson, Tom Curry as well. So um, you're looking to them people to lead, lead in their own way, obviously, but um, to be to be on to be on the same page. And that's not to say necessarily just agreeing with each other all the time. That's that's to say that you're challenging each other and debating and and you know being challenged as well and making sure that at the end of them chats that you come out all on the same page, ready to drive a team. Nice. What about um, Fares, like key influences? Like your dad's a brilliant coach and you've obviously been brought up under his kind of tutelage. He must be a key influence. Is there any sort of other people that you actively work with or have looked to? Lordsdills. Um, the thing that you try and be is op- open to everyone, you know, and obviously you gravitate, you always gravitate to wanting to find out that little bit more about, about the ones that have done it the best. And... Uh, the ones that the ones that interest you, but the the I've all, I've always kind of been interested in that that sort of stuff anyway. I've always been interested in in the way that people lead, the way that people impact teams anyway, and and kind of not consciously, but always kind of been drawn to them in any sport. Watching watching how they work, I guess the ones that you kind of get drawn to are the, the ones that's been at the top for a, a very long time, that have maybe been at it from an early age, but then been at the top all the career. So like. 
you you look at Jordan Brady, who's constantly as well, probably reinventing themselves. You know, they never they never staying the same. They're always staying ahead of it. They're always pushing into a new space that opens up, and and obviously everybody's chasing them all the time. So it'd be any of them deals. It wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't just be any specific one. I, I was yeah, obviously I was I was massively interested in the last the last dance, getting any sort of insight from that because you don't you don't tend to have access like that too many times to the main man himself. So, yeah, anything that you can get your hands on and, and is obviously interesting. What about you, Sarah? You look at how teams are run and probably rather than necessarily like captains, you look at, at influenced by by people. Um, so like Richard Hill, for example, was is like was a huge person that I like looked up to as a, as a rugby player playing because of how he played the game and how he came across and everything. And probably for me, I gravitate more towards like personnel rather than necessarily like leaders with, within the game. Hi, this is Mario Toje and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Sarah, what motivates you? I mean, you've, you've played a lot of rugby. I, I thought it was 120 <laughs> caps, like, but you on. said 123. <laughs> and I think they all count when you get over 100, right? I'll tell you what, they all count when you're three short of 100. Jeez. <laughs> but, you know, look, what, what, what keeps you going? One of the biggest drivers for me is getting to, to New Zealand in 2021 next year. It's now, for me, I'm like 35, which is getting really old. I'm like oldest player in the squad, which is, uh, as Katie Dana-McLean keeps reminding me, she's three months behind me. But, yeah, like was fortunate enough to, to be part of a, uh, the 2014 squad that, that won it. And it was just like the best feeling ever. But I've also been part of 2010 and 2017 when we've lost feelings and it's the worst. And um, I don't want to finish like I did in 2017. So that's what's keeping me going to, to get to next year. I think I was touched on that about keep evolving. So I need to be better than I've ever been. Like we've got these, I've got really good young kids coming through and they're challenging all the time. Fez, what about you, mate? What, what's getting you up? I want to do well, mate. I'm competitive, as I said. I want to um, have as much of an impact as I possibly can. And yeah, I, I'm massively excited about, about where this team can go and... and and getting stuck into that. What What would you say, like, uh, if, if you, I think I already know the answer to this, but like your golden rules for like captaincy, uh, I feel like authentic or, or genuine is going to be in there. But if you could give me like your sort of couple of points or takeaways that two or three things each on what it is to you, what what captaincy is to you? Yeah, you've already touched on being being yourself and being authentic. I think that's that's a big that's a big part. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think there's no right or wrong way of being, Dylan. I think there's there's obviously mistakes that you do make and will continue to make that that just keep making you see more clearly of of what works and what doesn't. So there's there's opportunity everywhere and being yourself, like I said, and putting yourself out there and open to you know being wrong as well and and taking taking that and seeing it as an opportunity and not not going within yourself thereafter. Um, I think there's there's constant lessons that are showing themselves every day and um, so I, I wouldn't say there's a, a massive right or wrong way of being I'd just, I'd just say that you'd be open to, to making those mistakes and learning from Sarah what about you? Yeah I think for me it's that being genuine that's for me it got to be the first thing like you've got to be true to, to yourself because I think that's what makes people want to buy into you I think you've probably got to be quite approachable I think probably in the women's game to, to be a captain 
because obviously you, you you find yourself as this um, almost this middleman between the staff, the coaches, and the players. So you've got to be able to have those good working relationships with with both your management around you and then obviously the players around you and be that sort of that link between them which is obviously some sometimes pretty difficult depending on what situation you find find yourself in but if, if you aren't able to do that I think it makes being a captain pretty pretty tricky and then like Baz says I think um, just being open to to reflect and be pretty honest with yourself um, and where you are and what you're doing to be able to to keep improving and I think also the really important one for me is being the best player that you can be because ultimately like that's where I think that the team will will buy into you when you see that you're actually contributing to the side I know we've probably all been in teams where there's other being captains and you're thinking well why are they playing because so and so should be playing has been in one of those teams when I was the captain (laughs) (laughs) you talked about being the middleman or the the middle woman between people like tell me about some of the things or or both of you like the less favorable parts of the job the people that the people the things that the people don't see yeah, I think it's just the, the extra stuff. Like sometimes you, you get up for breakfast or whatever time it is, and then you don't get back like don't get back to your room till nine o'clock after you've potentially caught up with some players about stuff that if they're not happy with trainings going, you know, or what we've done in training, to then you well you've got to go and feed that back to the coach and then have that conversation with the coach potentially, and then like to try and get the best out of the next day session. And obviously, that sometimes um not the easiest conversation because they've spent hours probably putting this session together and then like and sometimes the players haven't necessarily trained the best so it's trying to get that compromise of understand where the players are coming from and also try and understand where the coaches are coming from and try and mediate that sort of understanding yeah I I totally agree because um I think that the hardest thing especially being an international rugby player is like just playing well training well eating well recovering sleeping like there's people in the squad that just get to do that to focus on themselves. But as soon as you step into like that captaincy or leadership role, all of a sudden you've got to do all of those things and then worry about everyone else doing those things. I, I don't know. I, I, I almost, from a personal point of view, struggled to do it all. It's almost like I put everything else before myself sometimes. I was always tired. Whenever I got back to the room to talk to Faz, I'll just go to bed. I'll just go to bed. I'll just lie down. I'll get back about 10 o'clock at night and I'll just go to bed. Uh, Fez, what about you? Just making time. Just making time for yourself is important. Making time to, for you to make sure that you're you're in order. Making time to make sure that you're you're performing at your best because that's that's probably the most important thing anyway. That's a, that's that's the way that you get you get people's respect, and that's the way that it's probably the best the best way of leading. Well, definitely, definitely. So I'd say making sure that you've got you've got your own time to to make sure you're at your best. I want to know about some of the um, your best sort of moments in well playing for England and in a captaincy role. What what's some of your best memories? I don't know. It's not it's not necessarily the, your best moments are not necessarily about about being captain. But um, I'd, I would I would say that obviously despite despite the the ending, all of it from Japan and the preparation and the and the. And the pre-season and the build-up to it, and getting over there to Japan, and, and I love the tournament itself, and that 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 was um, something that yeah I, I massively enjoyed. Yeah. What, what what about you, Sarah? 
Some of obviously best moments aren't necessarily when I've been captain. Like when in 2014, um, I was vice captain in there, but uh, that was probably like the, the best moment of of winning sort of the ultimate goal in, in rugby. Then uh, my 100th cap was pretty special. Um, and I had the honour of obviously being captain in that as well. Um, that's a that's pretty much up there. And then one of the other highlights, again, we didn't we didn't really win anything, but we um we went out to, to New Zealand to play in a series in 2017 and we played Canada, Australia and then New Zealand. And we hadn't won out in New Zealand since 2001. So to, to go out there and that was that's pretty up there to beat New Zealand in their, their own backyard was was pretty special. Um, and we played before the Lions played the All Black Maori. So that was like tied in with that. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty iconic moment for, for us. Um, and that's probably just the sense of achievement of going out there and the nature of the game and everything. Um, so, yeah. Sarah, you, you got quite emotional in your 100th cap, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not normally an emotional person. Tell me about that. Like, obviously, don't know anything about that, and it's it, it it just eats away at me. Yeah, no, and it was something that like kind of uh, I guess just creeps up on you. For for me, I like I don't like to to cap count. Some people do, but James Haskell. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really want to think about it too much. That um, sort of on the on the day, like I've never been injured in a warm up. I was like, until the game happens, I'm not talking about my hundredth cap. Like it's got to happen. And then like sort of ran out, and it was midweek at the stoop, and I knew my parents were going to be there. But then when I ran out, uh, I saw my brother and my niece and some really good friends who had who'd made the trip down from Newcastle to be there and like one of my first rugby coaches and it just all of a sudden hit me that I was like gonna achieve this sort of um, 100th cap moment that I never thought I'd ever possibly dream to do um so yeah I just got really choked up and I just remember Amber Reid putting her arm around me and I just I just was one of the only times I've not sang the national anthem because I think you know those moments when you're on the verge. I was like, if I try and do anything now other than just like compose myself, I'm literally going to be hysterical. And I didn't want to be hysterical before I played the game, so I was like, I had to get fully composed before uh, the whistle went. Hi, this is Ben Youngs, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Talk to me about co-captaincy, mate. I obviously, I obviously loved it. Uh, the other, the other thing that was awkward. Well, not awkward. The only thing that you ever thought about was who was doing what. Because we roomed together, we roomed together for about three or four years, I think, building up to that point. So it always felt like that was going to happen anyway. But when it happened, nothing changed. Everyone thought it was going to be this big, like, huge thing. But the only thing was when we came back to the room and would have a coffee or would sit down and just talk and be like, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And it was almost even before a game, we didn't even organise who would go out first. Yeah. It'd just be like whoever was there, or yeah. um, and I think the only way it did probably work was with the coin toss, so you could go do your kicking, and I could uh, talk to the ref. Yeah, perfect. But other than that, like um, for for me, it, it was pretty straightforward. And I remember my last game that I played, I was actually I got dropped to the bench, and um, I kind of knew. That was quite significant for me because Jinx obviously got a game. He'd been chomping at my heels for a long time. But I kind of knew in, in that leadership role and if I was true to the words that I've been preaching for the last three years, that it was like a team first mentality. I had to go train and perform that week 
And this is where I talk about like those conscious decisions. Like I was hurting like internally. It's never nice to be dropped, especially when you've not been dropped before. But I had to consciously just kind of shoulders back, head up, stoic, and just go train, perform, and act as normal. So even though I wasn't in the starting 15, like I still had to be vocal. I still had to facilitate and kind of be there running the sessions like we'd always done. Hi, I'm Tom Curry, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. You play every week, and you're both involved with teams that win the majority of the time. Enjoying those sort of moments and celebrating success, how do you do it as a team? Do you, do you kind of consciously talk about it as a team? We concentrate massively, and, and you, you know this is deals of, of making sure that we, we try and enjoy it along the way and and obviously this is this is an environment where you you pour everything into you pour everything into what's in front of you and everything into training well and performing well and doing everything you can do the right way but we love it here at the same time we make sure that we have a good time along the way and that and that and that takes a bit of effort i think um it doesn't just happen i think the lads have put a lot of effort into making sure that there's stuff on for people to be involved in the stuff to bring people together more than more than anything and that that transfers into your performances and it makes you tighter and it makes you go through stuff obviously better together and i guess i guess when you like that you enjoy you enjoy them moments even better yeah Sarah what about you guys do do you kind of promote enjoyment and and being yourselves and and celebrating the the small things not only the big things yeah i think we we certainly do i think the nature of probably all of us and why we've all played for England is that we're we're ultra competitive and we're ultra probably reflective on wanting to be the best we can be. And I think at times like you'll win a game and you'll you'll see people that have maybe frustrated why with either maybe an individual performance or like collective performance. You're like, come on, let's just enjoy the moment. Like there's times when you when we lose and we can be disappointed and we can be frustrated then but we've actually just won in an England shirt we've got to enjoy those moments because some people never get to have them or not very often and I think that's really important and then away from the actual matches I think we've probably tried harder over the last few years is is to do that that enjoyment stuff so like we do compete to wins within teams where like it gets competition amongst like each other just daft things to try and like first says bring people together because if you're tighter together as a squad you're probably going to do better on the pitch and I think over the last year we've gone like really far in in what we're trying to do with ourselves to to enjoy enjoy the moments enjoy the occasion so that you can look back and think about all the hours that you put into it as 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 being not only worth it but you've actually enjoyed it as you've gone along and had fun and and made memories made friends all the stuff that that comes with being part of a team like you don't want to live this life where you've done all of the stuff but but you haven't enjoyed it as you've gone along and if there's if there's one thing that i could tell you like when, when you finish it's the one thing you look back at and I think all the, all the obvious things of enjoyment of like bonding and team socials and spending time together, I actually at the time didn't, but I wish I had had the reflection I've got now, but I enjoyed being physically and mentally pushed daily, being in an environment that challenges you and, and pushes you as, as a person. Now that I look back, I got a hell of a lot of enjoyment from it. So yeah, if you, if you think you're in the grind and it's hard work, one day you look back on it 
and you, you'll enjoy that, that challenge. Awesome to get the chance to chat to those two together. If you enjoyed it, remember to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Not only is it great to hear what you think, but it really helps other England fans to find us too. I'll be back same time next week, but if you can't wait until then, check out some of our previous episodes with the likes of Jack Knoll, Kyle Sinkler, Emily Scarrett, and the master, Eddie Jones. Just search the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Catch you next time.